welcome to another episode of So Mind-Boggling Journeys. I'm here with Sunday Lofty, writer extraordinaire. Hi, Sunday. Hi, Tina. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So let's go ahead and dive right in because I want to talk about, so the, ra- the reason why Sunday and I know each other is because we both went to the University of Virginia. And I knew Cindy was a creative, but I did not know that you were a writer at the time. And it wasn't until we graduated, and it was a few years later, that I heard that you had gone to L.A. and you were writing in L.A. So can you talk about that? Like, how did that even happen? Were you writing, um, you know, short films or plays in college? And and that kind of set off your whole career trajectory? Like, how did you even start off being a writer in the arts? Yes. Well, I will try to make a long story short. I always I would always gravitated towards movies in the theater, um, even as a young person, um, but by way of acting. So from elementary school, actually through college, um, I acted. Um, from elementary school, we did we had a, a group called Advanced Reading, and we did um, Shakespearean plays. That was sort of my first introduction to the theater, and then all the way through college. Um, but even when I look back over that period of time, I was writing as well. Um, you know, I always had a love for words. Uh, English was my favorite subject throughout school. I ended up being an English major at UVA. So I always was a writer, I would say. But I sort of fell into um, scripted writing. Um, I, when I first came to New York, I was in the independent film business and then got out for a while and taught taught English, but was always using um, pieces of media uh, to help um, support literacy, um, and then ended up going back to NYU for novel writing. <laughs> I still hadn't figured out what type of writing I, I liked. Um, after, sort of midway through my program, I was like, you know what, I am... I need a little more instant gratification. So, you know, how would it be, what would it be like if I switched from novel writing, which was to me long, a long, tedious process, to writing for TV? I felt like that was, that was um, more, I got more instant gratification from that. And um, that's when I did my first internship at TV One in DC. And after that, they, they hired me. And so for the last 10 years, I've been a writer, producer, and now creative director. Um, I started at TV One in the promo department um, as a producer. And um, from there, ended, most of my career has been freelance. So I've been either hired as a field producer, a writer. Sometimes they'll just hire me just to write a show, um, especially if there's like a, a host that has host stand-ups. I'll write, you know, their their part um, to the show, um, or I will produce. So sit in in the edit suite with an editor and pick out shots, pick out music for pieces. Um, also, I've had a pretty good um, career in promo producing. So, for, for example, one of the last jobs I had was at Fuse Media, and I was responsible as a creative director for um, all of the campaigns for their original programming. Um, and even at, while I was at BET, um, that's what I did for the most part, pro- write and produce um, their promotional campaigns. 
Yes, because you worked on, uh, so when Being Mary Jane, when Being Mary Jane first came out, the promo was all about her, uh, the character, the title character, um, Gabrielle Union's character, uh, uh, Mary Jane, was all about the post-it. Yes. And you worked on that campaign, correct? Yes. The fir- very first campaign um, we had was with Mary Jane in a bathtub, and she sort of sank under the water and went into this fictitious world, dealing with a lot of the problems and issues that she was having as a character. And then she came back out of the of the bath of the bathtub. That was the first promotional campaign. The second promotional campaign for the for the second season was Mary Jane in a in a maze of mirrors and she was seeing all of of the characters that were in her life. Um so yep, those were both of my campaigns. Both campaigns which I'm I'm pretty proud of. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they're so memorable, and I love it because that's something that you would never think about. Like when you think about uh, careers, it's like, oh, you never think about, like, oh, who actually is doing these promos and what's that like to, you know, how do they make this up? Who's actually working on these promos? That's so cool that you actually worked on those. And is it – oh, go, oh, ahead. No, go ahead. Something where it's like who creates the idea? Do you come up with the idea too, or is it like a group of you all that come up with the idea and then you execute it? Like how did that come to be? Yeah. Um, the first season, it was definitely, um, we always have a brainstorming session with, with the whole team um, in the beginning. Um, and so people are throwing out taglines, people are throwing out images, we're playing videos, um, we're looking at, you know, um, anything, maybe pictures in a magazine, anything that inspires creativity um, for that particular product. And for Mary Jane, the post-it notes, that was already in the, what we call the pilot episode, the back, it was a, it was a movie, it was like a backdoor pilot. It was originally a movie on BET and then it became a series. So in that, um, the creator of the show, Mara Brock Akeel, had the character have all these post-it notes with all these um, um, inspirational messages that she would post all around her house. So that was important to the character, so we felt like that could be an important part of um, the promotional campaign. And from there, um, I, you know, I took the ideas that had come up in our uh, brainstorming meeting, and I said, let me see what I can come up with some of the ideas that we were musing around with. And from there, I, I wrote what you saw, what ended up being on air. So it starts with the script that is the longest promo might be 30, I mean, 60 seconds in, in Mary Jane's case. And then from there, you write a 60-second promo, and then you cut it down to 30 to 15 to 10. And, you, you know, you say, what does it look like as a 60? What does it look like as a 30? What does it look like as a 15? And then you have your whole campaign. What does it look like on social media, you know, these days? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what does it look like on, on Instagram? What does it look like on Snapchat? What does it look like, you know, um, on Facebook, you know, so, mm-hmm. so the, yeah, that, and I think w- one thing you mentioned, I'm sorry, just to go back a little bit to what I think is important. One thing you mentioned is you don't realize, or at least I didn't, and this is probably why it's taken me so long to, it took me a while to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And I'm, and I'm still not there yet. I'm still sort of, um, you know, trying different things in TV, but, um, you, I did not grow up knowing that there were what exactly were the behind-the-scenes roles in entertainment. I grew up in the performance space, 
But um, after college, I was like, that, it's not for me. I'm not going to pursue that professionally. So I, I wasn't aware of, every, of the roles that you could do. And I think that's important, especially for people today. I think as we're more connected, number one, um, globally, and then through social media, you, you're able to see a little bit and, or connect with those people who, are, who, work, who actually work behind the scenes, you know, because there's a myriad of different um, opportunities for people who are interested in entertainment but don't want to be in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important to note. That's very important to note. Um, and I feel like it's very rarely talked about. I feel like you only now are hearing about more people behind the scenes as more content creators are creating their own work and yeah. as they're, you know, kind of like assembling their own teams. Um, and doing their own marketing and promotions and, you know, on social media, then you learn, like, oh, okay, there's all these people. There's a whole gang of folks behind the camera, you know, making sure this thing comes to life. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, I mean, for me, um, even as, you know, you go higher in the business, it's important for me to, one, you know, I, I had um, mentors. I still have mentors. Um, who sort of helped navigate, you know, helped me navigate my career. And it's important that I have mentees, um, you know, where I can sort of pass on the information that I've learned um, um, along the way, you know. So, mm-hmm. and to well, sort of expose even... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. <laughs> no, so to sort of expose them to, you know, the possibilities that they have. What else in is terms out there? Of, exactly. Well, how did you find your internship? Because I feel like when I was – so when I was in college, right, and I was, um, you know, graduating, I felt like it was very readily easy to find, like, the banking internships and, like, the real estate internships and the um, consulting internships. But it was very hard to find internships in the arts, and I stumbled across um, – you know, I ended up working – uh, when I graduated, I ended up doing a one-year um, internship with Time Inc. In there, um, I was—it was like a one-year apprenticeship on the business side of magazine publishing, um, and so that's kind of how I got into it. It was publishing, it was magazine publishing, but I kind of got in on the business side, you know, doing marketing and promotions. But I literally, the way I stumbled upon that was like really, really crazy, and I got like the last slot that was available. Um, and it was like a very rare president's program where only 18 people, you know, out of the whole country got a slot on this, in this program. So for you, like, how did, I feel like I never saw like writing um, internships though. And like, That's, how did you even find yourself, uh, find your way to TV one for this, for the internship? Yes. Well, the first, the, the more interesting story I think is when I was at UVA, I was in the Curry school. So that meant I was there for five years. Um, and and studying education. And I remember I was um, doing my teaching practicum at Albemarle High School, and um, I was just dreaming about going to New York. I was like, once I graduate, I'm going to New York. I I didn't even – I wasn't even planning to teach immediately, but I was like, I'm going to New York, and I'm going to pursue this entertainment thing. Um, I do specifically remember that there were career – I don't want to say career days, but something like career day at UVA where all these companies would come in or either you would go to the career office and the May company was recruiting. And I remember some Anderson consulting. They were recruiting a lot of people. Yes. A lot of people from UVA. A lot of people. During our time. I didn't go to one of those because I was like, I knew from, I knew from early on, I was not going into corporate America. 
that was just not going to be something that it was nothing that about corporate America that um, attracted me in any way. <laughs> so I never went to any of those. What I did was, and this this is dating me, so it was obviously before social media. Is I looked on the internet and I was like, hey, I like Spike Lee. I I admire what he does. I would love to work with him. I looked and found found his company. Um, online and I emailed what a random email it happened to be somebody in like the finance finance department or business department and I emailed this person the only email that I could find and said hey you know I, I'm I'm interested in working with Spike Lee I, I would love an internship can you please let me know how to do it well I kept in touch with this lady I emailed her so frequently that she said um, she emailed me back and said, you are teetering on nuisancy. Yes, yes. She said, you're teetering on nuisancy. And so after that, I didn't write her back. I was like, okay, I didn't write her back anymore. But she remembered me. And so when an mm. internship came up in the, in the extras casting department, she, she emailed me and said, hey, if you want this, it's yours. And so, you know, my mom always taught me the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And, and yes. in that case, in that case, I got, I got the, I got the job. You know, yes. and so that was and I that was my first internship. It, oh, and I love that at first it was kind of like, oh my god, girl, like, okay, okay, you're kind of teetering on nuisance, you know. But then it was yeah. like when that opportunity popped up, she probably was like, you know what, this girl was really persistent. Like, you know, as an intern, we need interns who are going to kind of like not take no for an answer and kind of like not give up so easily because so much of the entertainment business, you have to just keep going and keep going and keep going. It's like you're constantly keeping, not, you know, staying knocking on doors and moving ahead and trying to get in where you fit in, you know. So that's actually a, a huge um, you know, uh, character trait that you need to even succeed in this business. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you don't want to be a nuisance, but you definitely want to be persistent in what you want because you, I mean, like you hear over and over and over again, you will definitely hear more no's than yeses in this mm -hmm. industry, even even if you are not the the talent in front of the camera, you know. Even as a writer, even as a creator, you'll hear more no's. And that's just a part of the job. You know, that was my job in promo. You know, not everybody's going to like the idea, and you have to not be so married to the idea that you can't, that you, can't you know, come up with something different. Um, but you will hear no more than you're, you'll hear yes, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, that's interesting because I didn't know that it was this thing behind the scenes in terms of that you'll hear definitely more no's and yeses in front of the camera. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's like, no, 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 no. And then you might get a yes after like 500 no's. Um, but I didn't know that it was um, – I knew it was tough, um, you know, behind the scenes. But um, I didn't I didn't expect you to say that it was, you know, that you, you definitely hear more no's and yeses. Oh, yes. And I, I have a story about that. So you asked me about – um, so basically, um, the freelance, uh, the freelance promo and uh, world that that I am in, that is my you know day to day living, is not where I want to stay. Um, and so um, I started writing for scripted shows, writing spec spec scripts or speculative scripts for different shows that exist in an effort to see if I could get into the scripted world. Right, mm -hmm. writing for writing for actors. Um, whereas my career has been in, I guess what they call the non-scripted world. 
even though I would write, it was not for actors. Um, and so in terms of hearing no a lot, I had applied to all of the networks have these programs that are very competitive, um, but they're for diverse voices. And it's not only ethnic diversity, but diversity in experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the majority of the writers in Hollywood are white and male, and so that lends itself to a certain experience. But they want to try to open the door up for other writers, uh, other writers with different, different voices, diverse voices. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I, had, I had applied to these programs, Fox, uh, ABC, Disney, Warner Brothers, um, CBS. I had a, applied to them for years before I got in years, at least at least three or four years before wow. I finally got in. And, you know, these these um, programs, you know, sometimes get maybe, you know, a thousand or so applications for only like six to ten spots. Hmm. And so finally I got into the CBS program. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was but that was after years of years of, and years of hearing no. And also years and years of Honing, honing your craft because I had gone to school for novel writing, but I was like, well, look, you know, at UVA, I, I studied English, so we we learned how to, um, I mean, we read a lot. We didn't necessarily learn how to write per se, but you obviously had to write and read a lot um, for, for that particular degree. At NYU, because I was studying novel writing, you learn how to write. But through all of those experiences, um, I learned about story. So whether it's a novel, whether it's a 30-second promo, whether it's a script, they all have certain structures. And I found out very early on that I could mimic. I, I could pick up a structure and mimic what that structure was w- really well. Um, and so it was easy for me to bounce back and forth between the mediums, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I, could, I could look at something and if I could see the structure, then I could recreate it, you know. I was not one of these writers that could just, you know, write and it'd be great. I mean, I don't really know people like that. I mean, maybe there are. I'm sure there are some cases where people just write once and they get in or they, you know, get a script sold. But I, I, I have that. This has not been my journey at all. Well, yeah, because it's like, don't you have to take like a lot of classes, like writing classes and workshops and everybody comes at it in a different way for me because of my career i'm i'm constantly writing anyway my, i've never i don't think i've ever stopped writing ever because that's what i that's what i do and even on the you know what i'm when i'm not getting paid for it like right before i literally today right before i um hopped on with you um i was writing for the last 4 or 5 hours oh and my so, gosh Mhm. So I feel like um, I've been blessed in that regard. Even in the down times that I have, or you know, times when you don't have a gig, you know, you you better be working. You better be, right. you know, honing your craft and you know, writing something new. Um, that's another thing. I know a lot of people who are writers, but they stay on one project like forever, meaning they're mm. like trying to push this one thing. For mm-hmm. me, it's like, you know, look, I need to be writing something new. You know, it doesn't always happen because I have a hectic job. It depends on what job I'm on. But, um, you know, you always need to be writing something fresh, something new, working on something. 
Absolutely. What are you working on right now, if you care to share? Um, um, I will say I am working on a feature. Um, it is a romantic dramedy, um, but that's where I am with that. I, I, okay. I, I, yeah, that's where I am with so that. Is this for you? Or is this for a network? Or this is um, for this is for me. But for you know, since being in the CBS program, um, the writing program, program, it has opened up doors where I know that once I have something good, I have some people to show it to. Um, oh, yeah, that was great. I got into CBS with a spec script for Mad Men, but then also an original pilot. And mm. from there, that original pilot was at TV One um, for consideration. That was my first time, you know, um, having an executive say, hey, I believe in this work. I think your writing is good. Let me see what I can do with it. Um, and that was that was very much fun with me. And I fun for me, and I thought, even though I kind of had a feeling it wasn't going to go, um, because there were other projects that were already greenlit that were similar, um, but I thought it was appropriate because I had started my career at TV One, and here, you know, here I was all these years later with a project in consideration, and, you know, I thought that was, that was special. <laughs> yeah, that's like a that's like a full circle moment, right? It was a full circle moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And who knows what else will be? You know that whole, that whole story and journey. You know, might not even be done. You know, there I, there might be more to the story. Absolutely, I, 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 absolutely. I don't think I don't think it's done. I think everything happens for a reason. I mean, even since the the P, um, since the CBS program, I've had some amazing experiences. Um, I, you know, meeting with showrunners, um, you know, meeting with um, directors even, you know, had a great experience meeting David O. Russell. Um, you know, he had done Silver Linings Playbook and uh, Joy and American Hustle. And, you know, that was, and meeting with him for a job, and that was great. So mm-hmm. the story is not over yet. You know, I, I don't think it's over yet as long as I have breath in my body. You know, there there are goals that I want to reach, there are things that I want to say. And so, you know, I continue working on, you know, mm-hmm. working every day. Mm-hmm. And, and your, um, your idea of, you know, when you talk about your goals and your dreams, is your goal slash dream to, you know, complete a, a, um, to, to complete writing a piece and to definitely uh, sell it to a network or, have you ever thought about also producing it yourself too, like raising the money, doing the casting, and then just doing like a straight independent, you know, production yourself? Right. So um, I had always been opposed to doing it the independent way, <laughs> even though I would see so many, you know, people doing it for themselves. Um, but I'm not opposed to that either. I have small, that that's a small goal for me, whether I sell something or whether I, um uh do it independently um those are the those are the the more immediate goals i guess not the long term goals those are the more immediate goals so i feel like i'm i'm there if i could you know if i could finish something good and get something you know to the right people at the right time of course i think you know it'll get done i, I think long term though um i i just am interested in the way um, and maybe this has something to do with my promotional and marketing background, but the way people are um, consuming media, 
um, and the way people are um, creating media at this point um, and how it gets distributed. Um, and so I'm interested in the, the bigger picture, ultimately, um, not only creating stories that are for and by us, but like how, um, you know, we have a lot of, in our in the African-American community, a lot of content creators, but like how can we be um, the studios, how can we be the distributors? You know, look at Tyler Perry, look at Tidal even. You know, Tidal I was mad at for a long time because I'm like, ah, am I going to pay $20 really a month to, you know, um, hear this certain kind of content, but I actually, I get the vision. I get where they're going, you know, um, I get what they're trying to do. And so looking at new ways to reach the masses, to distribute the product, um, that's, you know, and, and, and really the new ways to say something and affect people, that's the long term. Interesting because you were talking about title um, and how, you know, so your issue at first was you felt like, oh, this is just one more, uh, distribution model that that that's asking for money. Yes, I mean, well, what I I think honestly, it it wasn't that. I think that what I what I heard, I guess, in the streets, <laughs> or at least among my colleagues, is that you know, I mean, what I heard when JV and 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 that team announced title, I mean, they I what I heard them say is that basically this is giving the artist power, you know, giving them a little bit more control, um, you know, monetary control over their product, right? They get a mm-hmm. little more um, of the investment. So I get that. I, but I, what I heard my colleagues say is, well, these people are already millionaires. Why am I going to pay, you know, you know, $20 a month so that, that more money can go into their pockets? And I think that um, – you know, that's how at least my colleagues were seeing it. I, I mean, I look at it, I, and I don't know the business model, um, you know, in depth, but I definitely see it as um, a way of ownership, and I'm interested in that. Like, you know, how can these, let's just say, you know, um, pe- people who are create these content creators not only – get their content seen, but have ownership of the product, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, that, that sort of makes me curious a little bit, you know, how can, I'm always thinking of like, what, what can I do? How can this business model work for me so that I'm not struggling for the next product, you yes. know, struggling to make the next thing, you know, yes. so I, so if I sell something and it's no longer mine, then what do I have to make the, to create the next thing? So I'm thinking about ownership, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and how that how that deal might look, you mm-hmm. know. I think so many artists are trying to figure that out because one, it's just already um, a bit of a struggle just to first make sure you are getting paid for your talent and your work, right? That's that's yeah. number one, and then number two, it does seem like um, you know everyone outside of the artist is getting um, a lot more of money, and they just seem to have more avenues to different streams that are coming from it. It's almost like they, you know, even with me as an artist, it's like they'll pay me, like if I do a commercial, for instance, they'll pay me for, like, the shoot, right? And then they'll pay me for a usage rate, uh, for a usage um, amount of usage, but then it's kind of like, 
you know, the use, it's not really a lie if you think about it. If it's like a five-year project, it won't be, it still kind of feels like even though I'm getting paid this lump sum right now, a lot yeah. of times it's not really the same digits that, you know, that the advertiser is paying the network to run the commercial spot on, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Or the amount of money that the, you know, the production company is um you know, paying the crew, you know, it seems like a lot of other people are finding other ways to make, you know, the, 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 the money's a lot longer yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it might, you know, eventually lead to another project. Whereas with artists, sometimes it's kind of like we do that one drop in the bucket and that's it. So it's like, you're trying to figure out, well, how can I get, how can I extend these buckets, you know, so that it's not like once you're done, then it's like you're trying to find the next job to pay the next month's rent. And it's almost like you're constantly on this hamster wheel, you know? So it is trying to figure out, well, how do I kind of create some type of um, longevity with these projects that I do book, you know? Um, and I think it does come back to what you were saying about the ownership. It's really like you have to own something and create your own brand. Um, so then it's kind of like you can maybe demand more or, you know, I was having this conversation with um, Karis Lemon on my on the last podcast about, you know, so many of these, uh, you know, people in certain positions that are able to give you opportunities, they want to know, like, well, how many followers do you have, you know, um, you know, how kind of like, what is your social stature so far? Like, how do we know we're going to get good bang for our buck on this project and that project? And so it's almost like, you know, it's like I wish that the artists, we could also figure out a way to make sure that we it's almost like I wish there was a way that we could also interview these different entities that are coming to us for work so that we can make sure we're still getting something really great out of the deal. Because it seems like artists, we're constantly looking for the next job, you know, and it's just like, when are we going to get somewhere where it feels that like, oh, okay, I'm finally, I have some legs here, you know, and these things are, these, this, I'm making, it, it makes more sense business-wise, you know. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I feel like a lot of times people feel like, oh, but if you're, you know, if you're the talent, you have the exposure. Where I'm like, you know, I'm wondering, like, how much does exposure really get you? Because, it, it, like, who cares about exposure if you're not able to kind of create, um, you know, like a, a nice living for yourself or have, like, a retirement plan? It's like, what do you, how can you translate or, you know, transfer exposure into something that kind of, like, can last? longer for you and really kind of take care of you as you continue to age and, you know, spend more and more time in the business, you know, like what's going to make you feel like, oh, okay, yeah, now I'm like, it, it, this is all working for me as hard as I'm working for it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes great sense. And I think that for me, it's always been about the long game. Like, I love what I do. I'm going to do it. Um, you know, um, but it's always been about the long game. And honestly, I get inspiration from others around me. I mean, well, not necessarily around me personally, but other artists that I see, um, you know, sort of changing the game, making up their own rules. I, I think of, yeah. of, of a few examples. I mean, um, uh, Beyonce is one where she didn't have mm -hmm. um, the, the first album was not eliminated with the first visual album she dropped the one before that where there was no there was no marketing campaign now people could right. say well she she you know she's Beyonce of course she could do that and get you know and get um you know and and still you know make money but it was a risk it was a gamble it was a uh, you know it was something she tried she she broke the rules you know even mm -hmm. chance the rapper chance was not, is not or was not as big as beyonce you know at the time and he's like you know what i'm going to release this music i'm not going to charge for it because i can get i look at the long game and i can build a brand and i can make money through this avenue i'm going to release this music and not you know not charge like th that's a, that's revolutionizing the way 
we, you know, our consumption. Mm-hmm. And right. and even I think of, um, I remember, uh, if we're talking about writers, um, Ben Affleck and uh, um, mm-hmm. Matt Damon. Damon, when they wrote uh, Good Will Hunting, I think they had, um, oh, they were in a deal at first, where, or they were entertaining a deal, I think, where someone had, um, or maybe a studio had said, hey, we'll buy this, and we, we'll buy this script from you for a million dollars or whatever the figure was, and we know exactly who we want to play the roles. Well, at that time, they weren't, you know, major actors at all, but they thought they looked at the long game. They knew this was a good film, and this could be a vehicle to, to start their their careers, to jumpstart their careers. And sure enough, they were like, no, no, thank you. We'll go over here, take less for the script, but as long as you guarantee that we're we're going to star in it. You know, mm-hmm. and so that kind of thing is long game thinking, you know, um, mm-hmm. and look at where they are today, you know. So not Absolutely. only are they, you know, acting, but they're producing and, 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 and writing and, and doing all, all that, that good stuff as well. And they're like uh, constantly working now and they totally created their own place in Hollywood, which is so inspiring, you know. Yeah. Um yeah. and I I think what's like what what I love about what you said is that it it's so hard sometimes as an artist because you just wanna work, right? Like I know I always say, Oh my gosh, I just really wanna work, you know? And so yep. it always feels so scary and unfathomable to turn down something or to kind of like she, to rock the boat when those opportunities do come and be like, oh, you know what? Actually, I think I am going to hold back and wait for this part of it. Or I think I'm going to, I think I want to do it this way. You know, it's so hard to make those those type of um, decisions because you don't want to come off as being difficult. Because I feel like this business is quick to say you're difficult. Like if you speak <laughs> up for yourself, <laughs> if you have a question, if you want to kind of like. You know, if you kind of feel like you have um, an opinion on how something should be done, you know, I feel like people will have no problem just kind of being like, well, you know, you're, I've had so many people tell me that, like, well, you know, so many people would just love to just kind of have this job, you know, and it's like, no, I, I want to have this job, too. I would, I'm so grateful to have this job, too, but I also have questions, you know, and I also – you know, have an opinion about kind of like what I think about this. And especially being someone who, you know, did go to, you know, went to UVA and went to the comp school, you know, in comp school, we were taught to think and kind of have like negotiations, you know? And so a lot of times it's like, they, you know, that, that's probably been one of the hardest things that I've had to kind of deal with in this business is the fact that like a lot of people just kind of think of you wanting to have a negotiation as you being difficult. And it's kind of like, Oh, I could go to somebody else who would just be so happy to have this. And they would just say, yes, you know, it's like, well, you know, is it, is it, really smart to sign a contract that says in perpetuity, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yep, is that yep. not smart, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Not really, you know, but you yeah. know, so often we have to do it because we just want the job. So I love to hear these stories when people have kind of pushed back. And I think with, especially someone like Beyonce, it does take, you know, a little bit of, um, a resume, right? Because she worked so yeah. hard for all those years where she yeah. then kind of like bought herself the right to kind of take those type of chances, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I keep thinking, I'm like, okay, well, I need to just, you know, put in the work and I need to do this and do that. And then maybe I'll be able to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I started, started this podcast is because I felt like, okay, I've got to figure out something else where I'm just not like waiting around to get a job, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. And so it's like, what other skills do I have? And like, you know, I love the fact that I have so many artists in my world that I, and, and they work so hard and they're just so passionate. And it's like, you know, nobody knows about them because they're not on, you know, the, 
you know, the the Tuesday 8 o'clock slot on ABC. So it's like nobody knows them, nobody cares, whatever, you know. I kind of wanted to get past this whole idea that um, you're only successful when you do this or when this pops, you know, because I feel like we're already successful in that we're trying, that we're out here doing it, you know, on whatever level. The fact that we're even putting one foot in front of the other in this world, in this business, it's such an accomplishment because it's not easy. And I really are, again, you, and we really are creating our own destinies and creating our own careers and our own worlds. And it's so, so inspiring to hear you talk about your journey because I'm like, wow, you never really hear about, you hear, so I hear about black female writers, right, after they are on the, the ABCs of the world or after they have mm-hmm. the HBO deals, you know, mm-hmm. or after they have a million, you know, views on YouTube, you know. But to hear your story, I'm like, yeah, I always want to hear, like, well, wait, before all that, what were you, what were you doing? Like, what, what was yeah. life like? What were you working on, you know? And so it's so interesting to hear you talk about kind of like your journey thus far and the fact that you're like, you're just, you're right there. You're right there along with them. Um, and it's just that, you know, we, we're just not, we haven't heard of the you in the same way. Nope. Just yet, no. as of yet, you know, but we know right. that we will. <laughs> well, well, thank you for that, for that vote of confidence. I, I think that, yeah, you, so early on, I think, you know, early on, I learned, learned two things um, very early on, you know, um, one is to, not compare I don't compare myself mm. with anybody anybody else I'm in my own lane and yeah. my, my it's almost like I don't want to say I have blinders on but I'm looking straight ahead so I don't I don't see what's on this side of me I don't see what, what's on that side of me now you can appreciate what what your colleagues are doing or what other peers are doing and celebrate that but I don't I, I you know if somebody's ahead of me that's for them um, one, one thing I'm very strong about as a person of faith is I'm, I am strong about <laughs> that what is for me, specifically in my career, that's the, where I have the strength, <laughs> is, is for me. Um, and that's one thing is I'm in my own lane. And then two, um, the second thing is what is your definition of success? Mm-hmm. Like for, 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 me, for me, it's never been about the money. It, you know, if, if that was the case, I would never have gotten into art or education, for that matter. Because you know, um, <laughs> but what? But define. I've been able to define what success is for me, and part of success is the fact that I can get up every day, still eat, still maintain a roof over my head, and do what I love. That is success for me. That's Absolutely. that's a measure of success for me. You know, now, would it be great if then, you know, I sell a script or if then I or, you know, see, was it not great to see my campaigns on TV or, you know, to see a billboard in Times Square with a tagline that I wrote or, you know, those things are little successful things. But at the end of the day, I'm happy that I can wake up every morning in my right mind and do what I love. You know, so so those that's success for me. And of course, it would be great, you know, to do, to do all these other things, to sell, to sell a script, to you know, um, to you know, have my stories seen on a on a larger scale, on a broader level. But for each of those moments of, um, uh, each of those little triumphant moments are, are my measure of success. You know. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So true. You do have to uh, decide what success is for you. Define it for yourself because you you could get so easily caught up in what everybody else is doing. Um, yeah. Especially with in, especially with Instagram, social media. Social media. I mean, it's so great in so many ways when used properly. But I've had so many people, so many friends, be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm down because why? Because oh, I'm on Instagram and I'm seeing what X Y Z does." when all of that stuff is really edited and curated anyway, you yeah. know. And so, you know, I, 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 I'm I, like, hey, if if it's causing you that much stress, get off of it for a while. Get off like, of it. Get off. Get off because you need to be clear on who you are, whose you are for me as a person of, of faith. And then, and, and, that, and that sort of can, def, you know, put you on the right path to, to where you, you're going and where you're supposed to be. So, you know. Yeah, that that has always helped me to just stay in my lane, do what I need to do, and keep keep working at it, mm-hmm. despite whatever what everybody else is doing around me. Now, what do you do when you do have those down moments? Like, how do you kind of pick yourself up and keep keep moving, keep moving forward? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, it's funny because I'm very much confident in my at this point in my career life. Like, I don't have a lot of anxiety around will I make it in other areas of my life I'm more I have a a lot I don't have a strong of uh I don't want to say faith but I'm not as strong in other areas and so I would say what I do is you know hmm, I'm just, again I go back to my faith but it's just like you know fasting praying you know meditating um you know, to stay to stay positive, but fast, pray, meditate, and you know, you know, my spiritual life is important to me. And I feel like even in, you know, in the last few years, you know, I've I, I've grown stronger in that faith. Um, you know, I feel like God has really been testing me and, and stretching me in areas that I've never had to stretch before. And it's sometimes it hurts. You know, it hurts. It's painful. It's you know, very painful. Um, yes, it hurts. It's not easy. Growth is not easy. You know, but you know, um, I'm blessed to be able to see to to begin to see the blessings and the benefits of having to go through the growth. You know, the strain and the um, strain and the stretching that that growth um, sometimes causes. So I would I would apply that also in you know in a professional area to, as well you know again I mean I've been you know when I was in the CBS program I was up for a job that I for NCIS um, New Orleans that I ultimately I had heard I got but then ultimately didn't get and so whatever that was I had to say well lord you know I guess this is not for me you know that that job financially could have changed my life I mean changed my life would I have been happy I'm not sure but it it really would have changed my life but that I realized that was not for me and I was happy for the person who got it because I know that and I can really say this I know that what is for me um specifically as it relates to my career is for me. Yes, it's true. And um, it is true, and it's just about, like, holding on, right, and waiting for that thing that's, that, you know, the things that are supposed to be yours, just waiting for those things to come to you easily and naturally, 
Um, and, and while you're waiting, yes, and while you're waiting, preparing, you yes. know, preparing, I, I, I'm constantly, you know, I have periods of where I'm, you know, um, it, like my job, if I'm on a job, it's really demanding, so there's not a lot of extra creative energy that I have. But if I'm not on a job, then all of that creative energy is going into a project that, that, I'm, that I'm working on for myself. So even mm-hmm. if I'm not working for money, I'm working. You get what I'm saying? I get up mm-hmm. every day like I have a job to go to every day. Um, and, you know, and so. I was just about to ask you that. If you Do you have like a writer's ritual? Like what do you do every day when you get up? Like are you like, do you do the morning pages or do you take a run? Like do you, do you have a ritual or do you kind of just go with the flow and go with what kind of feels right for in that moment in that day? Yeah, I'm I'm a per, I'm very disciplined. I will say that when it comes to um writing. So when when I'm when I'm not let's just say I'm not specifically when I'm not working on a on a job that I'm getting paid for, this is when I get the most done because I have the whole day to write. So I'll get up in the morning, do my little, you know, devotional or whatever and then jump in. Um and I have in my head a schedule. And I'll try to keep, oh, if I need to do X amount of pages a day. Um, and I mm. try to get, keep to that schedule um, for as long as I can. And, you know, maybe sometimes a job might come up or whatever. But, but if, I'm, if, I'm, if, I can, if I block out the time and keep to the schedule, then I can do it because I'm pretty disciplined about getting the work done. Hmm. So you'll say, okay, I want to write 10 pages a day. And you will get up every day and write those 10 pages. And you don't budge right. until those 10 pages. Or like how many pages is like is something you would kind of like task yourself with? Right. Time? So for, for me, I do a lot, a lot, of, I do a lot of, of editing while I'm writing. Um, so, so I might go over the pages, that, which I probably shouldn't do, but I, sometimes I can't help it. I'll go over the pages that I've written the day before, just really quickly before I get into the other way. So, so right now, I mean, for me, I have some other things going on, um, but, and I'm a slow writer. <laughs> so if I can get six solid pages a day, mm-hmm. you know, I'm good. And I probably need to learn to write faster than that, but you know, for right now, if I'm six pages a day, you know, six between six to ten pages a day, I'm 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 on schedule um, for this particular project I'm on now, um, and that's because today I wrote ten pages, you know, and they were they were pretty good, but that's because I had already had some of the stuff written, and I was just going back and revising some of it. But if I if I move through um, like that, I can I can be focused and I can finish, you know. Mm-hmm. The balance is, for me, the balance is, you know, you have to work, you have to make money. You know, I also own, you know, real estate, so I'm, you know, back and forth with that. And so, you know, it's juggling everything, juggling everything. And so, you know, that sometimes is difficult. You know, I, I find that when I'm outside of New York, I have – like 48 hours in a day versus the 24 we have in the 12 we have in New York. I feel like um, <laughs> whenever I'm in Virginia, whenever I'm in my mom's house, I feel like I'm like, dang, the day is so long. I could probably write a screenplay in a week here. But <laughs> but but in New York, I'm constantly, you know, the day is the day is quick for me. So. Mm-hmm. 
And do you have something where you like have to have? So I'm I'm watching this new series called uh, Ten Days in the Valley on ABC, and uh, this writer she like has to go to the shed, you know, and then she has to have a bottle of wine or a glass of wine, um, and then she has to have something else that we won't say on the podcast. But you know, she kind of like has these things that she has to have before she can kind of find her muse. Are you like that? Are you like, oh, I have to have X, Y, Z before I can really kind of find that groove, that flow? Yeah, you know what? No. Sometimes sometimes hmm. the creative juices are are there. They just hit me and I'm like I wake up like I cannot wait to get to the to the to the computer. And other days I'm like it's not coming as, as fast. But I don't have a ritual. I don't even have a certain place. I just actually bought a new desk. So I'm now at my desk writing, but sometimes I'll be on the couch. Sometimes I'll be laid out flat. I probably don't have the best posture. But I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll be in a coffee shop, but I, I write well at home. Um, so most times I'll be at home. Um, these days I'm at my desk, but it may switch up, you know. It mm-hmm. may switch up. But I don't have anything that I have to do per se. Okay. Interesting. But here's the thing. Also, um, sometimes an idea lives with you, with me for a while before I ever seize the page. So this idea that I'm writing right now, I mean, this has lived in my head for, for years, actually. It's been there for years. It's, I'm not writing it just as it started years ago, but it's been developing in my head for years. And so I have certain projects that I'm drawn, drawn to more than others because it's been with me for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, all the character, I may not know all the character development when the idea first starts, but you know, as I get, as I work it out on the screen or on the computer, um, and as I have worked it out in my head over a certain period of time, it it, it is then easier for me to get it out on the on the page. Because mm-hmm. it's been living with you, and it's like bursting. It's like it has to come out. It's like let me out. Yes, it has to come out. It has to come out. And even things where, so you know. You know, right? Artists in general put a lot of themselves into things. So even, you know, um, even let's just say I've been hired for a job to do a promotional campaign. I mean, I might be drawing from something that happened, I don't know, 20 years ago or 10 years ago or whatever it may be. I might be drawing from something that happened yesterday or something I saw, something I heard, something I I read. You know, um, mm-hmm. inspiration comes from from everywhere. Yes, you know? it does. Yes. What would be the one thing, so this is called So Mind-Boggling Journeys, and so when we think about So Mind-Boggling, it's something that is either, um, you know, amazing and just like, wow, just like so um, awesome and unbelievable and great, and it also could be like so mind-boggling as in like, mm-hmm. what the F is going on, mm-hmm. you know? So what's the one thing about your journey that you would say has just been so mind-boggling? Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> I, I I think I just think that um, there have been some just fantastic opportunities that I've had that mm-hmm. I have may have been working hard in one way, but God opened the door, totally opened the door. In some other way, I had and I had nothing to do with it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you know. Um, 
I've always been one to prepare, but some things you, you, um, you know, to prepare and work hard and work diligently at, at, at things. I've always been that person. But some things are just, you know, when, when the opportunity opens itself or, you know, to you and you, you know you did not do anything for the opportunity or, you know, you weren't even working toward that opportunity, but somebody was thinking about you um, for, for this job or that job or, you know, and you find yourself, like, like I said, the other, the other day, well, not the other, it was a while back when I, um, somebody from CBS called me and all of a sudden within the next week I found myself with one of, you know, a showrunner that, you know, um, had written for Mad Men and then another meeting with a Hollywood director. And then I was like, how did I wow. get here? Mm-hmm. You know, like, how did I get here? And, and that's why I'm assured that, you know, you can, you know, uh, again, I, I believe that I can be prepared um, in all the ways that I can be prepared. But my prayer is order my steps and open the doors that you would have me go through, God. Like, open those doors. Um, because you, you've you given me this gift. You know that I have stories to tell and things to say. So guide me, lead me um, to where you need me to be. And when you see that happening, um, sometimes that's mind-boggling for me. You know, that's mm-hmm. mind-boggling, you know. Because I think of a, a little girl from D.C., you know, um, raised in a single-parent household that came from, you know, uh, public housing, you know, and to, to be where I am now, you know, where – and, and I'm, it's not even that I'm anywhere, but I'm, ha- I'm, I'm a happy, healthy, productive member of society. And, again, I wake up every day and do what I love. And that is like that's mind-boggling because mo- most of the country can't say that that yeah. they wake up and they do what they love and they earn a living from it. Absolutely. You know, like not so not true. many people, yeah, not many people can say that. And so for me, that that's mind-boggling. Like I get to have fun. I do this, and I get paid. Like mm-hmm. that's that's mind-boggling. Still, still mind-boggling. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yep. So then the last thing I want to ask is, so what advice would you give to someone, um, you know, who does, say there's like, you know, someone who is, you know, say it's a lady who's writing parking tickets, you know what I mean? And she's like, you know, I'm writing parking tickets, but I, but I really have this great idea in my head, and I really would love to write this scripted, you know, drama, but I feel like I'm kind of like in this job right now, this is what I'm doing, um, you know, this is safe, I'm able to pay the bills, I'm able to take care of this and that. Um, what would you say to that person where it's like, you know, they really want to do it and it's like they're not they 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 know that they they've chosen to keep doing whatever it is that they're doing, right? That's you know, that I call I guess like the more safe, um, the more accepted path. But yeah. it's like their dreams kind of stick with them and kinda of like, you know, knock knock on their door and their head and their mind and they can't get rid of the idea that they are just sitting on this great idea. What advice would you give to them? Well, it's probably advice that you've probably heard before, but I think it rings true, is that you you just have to do it. However you figure it out, I mean, that might be your own journey. You, you may not be able to quit your job. You may have 
kids or, you know, a family that you have to support. Um, and that's fine too. But however, you have to carve out some time, some space for you to do it. So whether it's, you know, if it's writing, you have to write. You have to do it. It's no way of getting around it. Um, and, you know, the, having, you know, a lot of times it's cultivating the discipline to get it done. And that can be difficult, especially when we have so many demands around us. But, like, for example, I'm working on this the project that I'm working on now. I'm off of social media. I, you know, I'm off of Instagram. I'm off, Because that time can be used writing. <laughs> and yeah. I also don't want I don't I don't I'm very focused so I don't want um I don't want to you know um to be swayed in a certain way like I, I want to be able to be free to hear the characters' voices and not really hear much of anything else you know so, mm-hmm. so even I'm careful about what I watch and read you know during this time because I don't want to be influenced by other voices, other, you know, that sounds kind of crazy, right, when I say other voices. But, no, you, I just don't want to be influenced by other other voices, really. Other, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book right now, but it's so not related to what I'm, to what I'm writing. So I, I feel like I, I'm good. And whatever I watch on TV, like I'm watching some doc, Ken Burns documentary on Vietnam. <laughs> um, and that's so, that's so unrelated to what I'm writing. You know, so those things won't necessarily influence um, the project that I'm working on. So, you know, but my, my, my advice is to just do it. It's to just do it, to stay in your lane, to stay focused in your lane, no comparisons. You know, stay prayed up and, and just do it. And, and you know, I feel like um, if, if, it's, um, if it's something you're passionate about, you, you will, you will be, you'll be compelled to do it anyway. There's no way you won't do it if you're really passionate about it. I, 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 when I used to teach, I used to tell my students, if you, what, what is that thing you would, you would do if no one paid you um, no one was watching you, no one gave you praise, what is that one thing you would do and always do? That is what you're most passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to figure that out early in life, you know, mm-hmm. earlier in life, you know, um, mm-hmm. that if no one paid me, if I never got paid another word to write, I would still do it. Wow. I'm compelled and to do it. You'd be compelled to still do it, to write. Yeah. Now, of course, we want, I want, I'm, it's good to get paid for it. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's good to get paid. Yeah. And I, that, you know, I want to get paid do. for it. There's exactly. always a bill that's due. There's always something. You pay the bill. Exactly. So. Um, okay, and I lied. One, at one, one final question. So what book yeah. would you recommend? Like, what book are you like, oh, this is kind of like what I lean on when I need um, a little bit of encouragement or a little bit of help with a good fight? What book do you turn to? Um, you mean for craft? For craft. For craft or also for, um, you know, self-help, spiritual, um, you know, or just, um, just relaxation, something totally unrelated where you're like, you know what, this is a good, fun, um, you know, beach book that I love to read. Uh, you know, it kind of takes my mind off of the pressures of, or the, you know, the, 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 the grind. Yeah. Um, Hmm. I don't have I don't have a lot of leisure reading. I think my leisure reading is um 
Dang, I feel like I, I, I sound like a very serious person. I'm not always, but my leisure reading is really like um, I'm into architecture and and, dec- and decor, so I'm, re- I'm reading like arch- um, El Decor or uh, Dwell Magazine. Those are my leisure. Mm. <laughs> that's, my le- that's my leisure reading. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I like houses and real estate too. But like for craft, um, when I first started, I read, you know, I would just go to the library and get anything, you know, I could find on that would show me structure, the structure of how to write. Because I didn't go to school for screenwriting. I went to NYU, but I didn't go to, I wasn't in Tisch. I I went for um, my MFA in um, creative writing, novel writing. So I had to learn the structure of what, what a screenplay looks like, you know, how is it written, what is the structure of that kind of a story. So I read the Screenwriter's Bible, I read, um, that was by David Trottier. There's a lot of stuff by Sid Field um, people could look into. Writing the TV drama series by Pamela Douglas I thought was good. Um, the elements of screenwriting. Um, so so many uh, books that taught me about structure. And then if you want to be a writer, also not only books about structure, but you have to read screenplays. These back back when I first started, it was hard to get your hands on um, a script. But nowadays they're all online. You can Google. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're all of them online, but a, a good a deal good of portion. a mm-hmm. good portion of you know you can find scripts online. Look, read scripts um, that that of shows that you love. Um, one one thing I was doing the other day is I I, I like this movie um, something's got to give by Nancy Meyer she's a, a female uh, a, a woman director and uh, writer and the stars Jack Nicholson and um and, and Diane Keaton one of my favorite films films my, my mom loves it too and I, I had the screenplay and so I was playing it the other day and I was reading along with the movie. Because I wanted to see, I had read the screenplay already, and I saw how, like, what the final version was, and I wanted to see how much of it was edited out, and so I was mm-hmm. reading along with it, you know. And so I read a lot of sc- screenplays too, you know, yes. to see how, to, you know, because you know you have to before you can hone your own style, and everybody has a different writing style, you know. Some people are better at description. Some are great at dialogue. Some are great at, you know, great at, um, you know, incorporating the visuals with, you know, um, with the dialogue. I mean, people have their different strengths. But before you can figure out what yours is, you can see what others are doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking that's a great, um, you know, uh, that's a great uh, piece of advice for actors, too, because then you get to kind of see and hear the actor's choice. If you're reading along with the script and then hearing them, you're like, oh, that's the choice. I see the choice that they made. And in my mind, I might have thought of this choice or whatever. So it's interesting to kind of see, um, you know, and hear really, you know, kind of like the different choices that they make. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for taking this time out to chat with us here at So Mind-Boggling Journeys. Um, We will definitely be continuing to follow you along yours, and we would love to have you come back um, and chat with us, especially, you know, because we want to hear. We're so, we're chomping at the bit to hear about this uh, this project that you're currently writing on, this project. 
Yeah, that, that, I, and now that I've told you about it, it has to, it has to be real. <laughs> so, yes. Yes, well, yes it's, it's going to be real, and you're going to come back and talk to us about it. Absolutely. But it's been a pleasure talking with you, too, Tina.